Welcome to the National 5 RMPS podcast here at Stuart's Melville College with me, Mrs Crichton, me, Mr Rylands, and me, Mr Chalmers. We need to do three things with every topic in Judaism. Know at least eight factual things about it that are relevant, accurate and detailed. Be able to identify possible consequences or implications of those things. And finally, use that knowledge to make judgments in relation to the topic. The first thing I'm keen to talk about is obviously God. After all, without that belief, there would be no Judaism. So, first up, what do they believe about him? And where do those beliefs come from? Well, we know what Jews believe about God because it's described in their holy book, the Tanakh, which is basically a collection of stories. Remember the story, and chances are you'll know something about God. Well, surely the most central thing you need to know is that in Judaism there is only one God. This belief is so important they repeat it three times a day by reciting the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Second to that, Jewish people believe that God is the creator of the universe and everything in it. They know this from reading the book of Genesis, which gives an account of how God made the world in six days and rested on the seventh. But the book of Genesis has other stories about God that also help us to find out what he's like, like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. That is an ace one. Three angels visited Abraham, the founder of Judaism, but came disguised as men, travellers along the road. Two of them went down to Sodom and Gomorrah to observe firsthand the wickedness in those cities. The other visitor stayed behind and revealed to Abraham that God was going to destroy the cities because of the evil ways of their people. Abraham began to bargain with God to spare the cities if there were righteous people in them. But when the two angels arrived at Sodom that evening, Abraham's nephew, Lot, met them at the city gate. Lot and his family lived in Sodom. He took the two men to his home and fed them. Then all the men of the city surrounded Lot's house and said, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. By ancient custom, the visitors were under Lot's protection. But Lot was so infected by the wickedness of Sodom that he offered the men his two virgin daughters instead. Furious, the mob rushed up to break down the door. Thankfully, the angels struck the rioters blind leading Lot, his wife and two daughters by the hand and hurried them out of the city. Lot and his family fled whilst God rained down burning sulphur on Sodom and Gomorrah, destroying the buildings and all the people. Lot's wife disobeyed the angels, looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. In short, this teaches us that God is a judge and will punish those who disobey him. However, it's important to note that God is also willing to forgive. I think this is best illustrated in the story of David and Bathsheba. So for that, we need the book of 2 Samuel. That tells the story of how one night King David couldn't sleep, so he goes for a walk on the roof. He sees a beautiful woman bathing in the next house over. Creep. He asks someone who she is. She's Bathsheba, married to Uriah, one of your elite fighting men. He sends for her and has sex with her, knowing it's wrong. She finds out she's pregnant. David sends for Bathsheba's husband to come home to try to cover up his sin. He talks to Uriah about the battle and sends him home so he'll sleep with his wife and the affair will be hidden. 
but Uriah is a man of integrity. He doesn't want to enjoy anything his fellow soldiers can't enjoy, so he sleeps outside the palace. David tries again the next night, this time getting Uriah drunk, but Uriah still won't go home. So David sends Uriah back to the front with a note for Joab, the general, to put Uriah in an exposed position where he'll be killed, to make sure by pulling the other troops back and leaving him stranded, and Joab does it. David has committed adultery and murder, but David sends for and marries Bathsheba. The baby has been born and at least nine months have passed, but David has not repented, so God wills the baby to die. How on earth does that show forgiveness? Well, it shows that God punishes believers to bring them back into fellowship and to show the world that he does not excuse or accept sin. But it's what happened next that matters. David repented. He said sorry and showed that he would change. And then God forgave him, giving him and Bathsheba a second son, Solomon. Who went on to be one of the greatest kings of Israel, So despite committing some major sins, David and God went on to have a good relationship. Another positive relationship can be found in the book of Daniel. In this story, King Darius decreed that no one should be praying to God. They should only worship him as king. But Daniel stayed faithful to God. So Darius threw him into a pit of man-eaten lions, as you do. Daniel kept praying though. So God sent an angel to keep the lines away from him until he could be rescued. Ah, so this story teaches that God is a protector. There's lots of stories like that through the Tanakh where God comes to people's rescue. For example, in the book of Exodus when he splits the Red Sea to allow the Hebrews to escape the Egyptians. But this also shows another belief about God. Yes, it shows he's omnipotent, which means all-powerful. I would also say it shows that he's faithful to his people. He made a covenant with Abraham, a two-sided agreement, that his descendants would live in the promised land of Canaan, and by getting them out of Egypt, they were able to get back there. Finally, if you really need another point, I would always point out that he is omniscient. That means he knows everything. Yep, aside from having the knowledge to create the universe. The book of Psalms says he even knows our innermost thoughts. How do you think that affects a Jew's day-to-day life, with God seeing their thoughts? I don't think it has to be creepy. A person could draw comfort from the fact that God has absolute insight into how they are feeling. Like in the story of Abraham's wife, Sarah. God could see how deeply she wanted a child of her own, so God gave her Isaac, even though she was super old. Also, reciting the Shema three times a day. It also helps Jews to remember how important God is, but also everything he'd done. A deep gratitude for everything he's given them. This feeds into their view that it's humanity's responsibility to care for the world God has created, taking the role of God's steward here on earth. This recognition is also seen through Jewish festivals like Pesach, Passover, each year where they retell and remember how he led the Hebrews out of slavery in Egypt. They have faith that God is able to rescue them in similar situations and can reflect upon other people who might need help today. Jews also believe that they must too keep the covenant Abraham originally made with God. 
They can do this by practicing Brutmilla, or male circumcision. They may also want to keep the 613 mitzvot, the commandments, to avoid negative judgment. So overall, it sounds like beliefs about God are largely positive, and someone could use these points to defend that position in an evaluation question. Can someone summarise? Yes! God is one, the creator, a judge, faithful to his people, forgiving, protecting, all-powerful and all-knowing. But make a list like that in your exam and you'll only get one mark. So be sure to give some examples.